Um, and tonight we're going to be in the book of Malachi again. Back in Malachi chapter 3. I want to ask you guys a question. How much do you think teenagers in the U.S., how much do teenagers in the U.S. spend every year? As a, as a group in one year, how much do they spend? A million? A billion? Okay. Five million? Five billion? Okay. <laughs> Three trillion? Teenagers in the U.S. spend $200 billion. They spend $200 billion a year. All right? Now, let's, what, do, what do we spend our money on? What do teenagers spend their money on? Food. Now, this is, this is teenagers actually taking money and going and paying for stuff with money that they've worked for or money that their parents have given them. Or, or, so we got food. All right, we'll call that entertainment. All right, let's see. How much, how much do you think it's entertainment? Half? Woo! Well, that, that's entertainment, food, all right, clothing. That's entertainment. All right, let's let's try to break down the entertainment. Let's try, let's try because everything falls. How much? How much? How much do you think they spend on movies? Tech stuff. iPods, video games, cell phones. Think half of that. Tech. Tennis would be clothing. That's tech stuff, technology. Right. Trey, what do you think? Uh, yeah, movies. Huh? Comics? All right. Gas, okay, there we go. Gas, let's let's do this. Uh, books, okay. Education, let's see. How much how much do teenagers spend on education? How much huh? Glasses? Okay. Education. Drugs. Well, the two, that, that's a good point because the 200 billion is only uh, like legal stuff. So, yeah. Any, anybody watch ER last night? Oh, okay. And they had, they had the teenage girl who, who, got, who was dying of alcohol poisoning because she was at a party and the parents supplied the alcohol and she got alcohol poisoning. Yeah. All right. Um, education. What about gifts? You didn't invite 
Gifts. Gifts. Jewelry. I think I think these are getting smaller. All right, uh, Lydia, what did you just say? Church. All right. Let's. How much do we think teenagers give to their church? I get like I will, I'll just do like do this. Like church. Well, where does their money go? I'm, I'm not saying like spending. I'm just saying where does their money go? Where does their money go? Yeah. The church is like that, right? I'll tell you why I think it's almost non-existent. Because... <clears throat> Because in the U.S., what percentage of people do you think uh, give money to their church? Twenty-five. Trey says ninety-nine percent of people in the U.S. give money, give their offering in church. Would you say charitable giving to like? No, no, just as like a regular offering they give every week to church. 25, 5, Rach. I'll say all 90. 90. 90. 90. 90. Our money and where our money goes and what he wants us to do with it. Even as teenagers, what does God want you to do with your money? Who, uh, who, who influences what you spend? My parents. Your parents? TV, internet, media, right? Your friends? Like as soon as your friend gets an iPod, you're like, ooh, I want that one. Right? You want a better one, right. And a better one is coming out in a couple of months, right? Ah, see? There you go. What do you, what's, what's the next thing that you're going to buy? A motorbike. You ain't buying no motorbike. You guys, you guys need to give real answers because you're not buying a motorbike. You ain't getting no motorbike. What you get? You're buying health? Okay. Kendallin, what are you buying? A Wii. Kendallin's buying a Wii. What is that, Erica? Phone card. A phone card. That's what she's buying. Y'all need to shh. You're buying a guitar. All right. So all of these, you have all these different influences. You see what your friends are, are getting and you want to buy that. Uh, TV and radio and, and whoever, else, you know, people on TV are telling you what else is coming out and you want to buy that. Or maybe you want to, you, you kind of just end up copying them in some way. And so, um, but do we ever think about how God wants us 
to spend our money or where he wants our money to go. All right, so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Malachi chapter 3, verses, let's see, verses 6 through 12. That's what we're going to be doing. And I need someone else to look up Luke chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Luke 4, 9 through 12. And, all right, Rachel's got that one. And someone on this side, look up Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Who's got that? Joy? All right, joy. All right, let's read this passage and see what God is going to say. Matthew, Malachi 3, verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. So right now we see he's talking to the whole country. Children of Jacob means Israel. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. All right. So at first we see God is talking to the whole nation and he's rebuking them again. He had focused on just the priests but talking to everybody. All right? And he says, from the times your granddaddy and your granddaddy's granddaddy was alive, y'all have not obeyed me. Okay? From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. And now he's going to tell them what he wants them to do. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. All right, this sounds a lot like James. James chapter 4 it says, draw near, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Okay, so we see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He tells them, he says, return to me, I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And the people don't understand what it would take to come back to God. They don't think that they have turned away from Him. They think that they have been obedient. But what has been the problem in Malachi leading up the whole way? Bad offerings, right? They were making offerings like they should have, but what was wrong with their offerings? They were shabby, right? They weren't the best that they could give. And so even if we're just being obedient, if we don't have the right heart in it, God's, God's not going to be pleased with it. Okay? So he tells them to return, and they say, well, how do we return? We don't know. All right? He says, and this is how he responds to them. He says, will man rob God? What do you think is the answer to that question? Will man rob God? I, he'll try. Right. I, I think the question is really like, can man rob God? Right. Can we? 
No, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's what he says in the next verse, yeah. in the next sentence. Yeah. He says, will, will man rob God? You are robbing me. Right. Okay? Um, this means, what does this mean? We can rob God, even though God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all that kind of stuff, right? God made everything, so he owns everything, right? So it's his, but... He has given us, he's given us a part of it, right? To manage it, to, to use it wisely, okay? And so he says they're robbing him. Why were they robbing him? They used to live for evil. Well, they didn't think they were being evil. How were they robbing him? In their tithes and offerings, in their tithes and their contributions. So what's the tithe? 10%, 10%, okay? And in the, in, in the law that the, that the Israelites were under right here, they were commanded to pay 10% of all their income. And they were supposed to give that to the temple. And, and when that was given to the temple, the priests could use that money to, to buy food and all that kind of stuff, okay? Because the priests, they were making offerings all day. They, couldn't, they didn't have time to have a job to make money. And so... Everybody who was making money would give the priest some money, okay? And so the priest would live off of the offering that everybody brought. And so, but nobody was bringing their offering. Because, remember we talked about how tough times were? Times were tough when this was going on. The, uh, the Jews had come back from slavery, and, you know, their cities were in ruins, and everybody was poor and it just seemed like God had turned his back on them and so in response the people were saying oh I've got some money I need to hold on to this and take care of myself and feed my family because if I give this money I won't have enough and what, what does that mean? they don't trust God if I, if I am obedient and I do what God tells me to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer. And God won't provide. That is what they were thinking as they, did, as they go through this. Okay? So the, he says, you are robbing me. And the people, how have we robbed you? Like these people, how many times in this book have we, have we seen them over and over when God asks, tells them that they're doing something wrong? They say, what do you mean? We're not doing nothing. You guys use this with your parents all the time, right? Okay. All right. Good. And are these people ever right? No. Okay. We'll move on. <laughs> so, but you say, how have we robbed you? And he answers them, in your tithes and contributions. They weren't giving the offering that they were supposed to be giving, that God had commanded them to give. Now, in the Old Testament... They were required to give at least 10%, right? How much do we give? We have no, uh, there's no, there's no minimum. Yeah, there's no limit, right? There's no minimum, there's no maximum, all right? What, what God asks for in the New Testament now, because we're not under this, you know, these rules and these laws and here's how every single thing has to be done. Now it's, you give from your heart. And if, if you want to be a generous giver, do that. You know, God loves a generous giver. That's what, that's what it says. All right? A cheerful giver. 
All right, so he tells them, he tells them why, you know, he tells them what they're doing, and he tells them what this has produced. They thought that they were, you know, because times were tough, they would hold on to their money. And they would protect themselves. But God says, no. In verse 9, he says, You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. So, what did the curse come from? Let's say, Rach? Holding out. Holding out on God. Not being obedient to God. Not trusting God. So, the curse didn't happen. Okay? And then the people started holding on to their money. They were holding on to their money first. And then the curse came. That's what it says. It says, you've been cursed with a curse because you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. What's happening in America right now? Recession. Recession. Economic meltdown down right they're they're printing three trillion dollars that they don't know where they're getting it from but somehow they're going to get it but their economy is collapsing okay and that affects everybody that affects us too right right do you think it might have something to do with only nine percent of christians giving giving anything to their church? Right. And they're saying, oh, I can't, I'm in so much debt, I can't afford to give to my church. Right? Because if I give to my church, I won't be able to afford this, this house, this car, this 60-inch HD TV that I just bought. You know? Um, and so what's happening is people are holding back from what God has asked them to do, which is to give. And we see the results of that, I think. All right. So God's, God's response. Anyway, here's the principle that we see. Here's the principle. Withholding money from God can lead to financial struggles for you. All right. For his people. Withholding money from God can lead to financial struggles for his people. That's what he says. He says, you are cursed with the curse because you don't give your offering. So, let's keep going. Verse 10. Here's God's remedy, all right? No matter how far we stray, no matter how much we don't obey, God always provides a way, and now I'm rhyming all day, um, I really didn't mean to do that. Sorry. <laughs> Spitting. Um, no matter how far we turn away from him, God always provides a way to come back. All right? We're never too far gone to come back to God. He says, all your, your fathers, all the people before you turned away from me. But he says, if you return to me, I will return to you. And here's how he tells them they can return. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Right? So there's food in the house. The priests can work. 
and they can do their job and they can offer sacrifices for the sins of the people, okay? And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. All right. God says, test me in this. Rachel, read your passage. Yeah, 4, 9 through 12. Okay, so Satan's tempting Jesus and he tells him, hey, why don't you throw yourself off of this, uh, off of this pinnacle? And Jesus tells him, no, thou shalt not put the Lord your God to the test. But what does God say in verse 10? Put me to the test. Hmm, what does this mean? All right. <clears throat> Prove. What this means is that when God makes a promise, it's okay to hold God to his word. All right? So if God tells you to do something, it's okay to obey him and believe that what he said will come true. What, what Jesus is meaning, because Satan tells him, jump off of this cliff and God will save you. All right? But Satan has twisted the scripture because that scripture doesn't say if you jump off a cliff, God will save you. All right? It's like, I'm going to read this verse and uh, I'm going to go skydiving without a parachute and God has to save me. Does that make any sense? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> the thing is that God, God is not our puppet. Okay? God's not our puppet. God isn't someone that we get to throw out, you know, little tests that we, that we come up with and we say, hmm, I wonder if I can get God to do this, you know? Um, that tests God's patience. All right? But in places where we have real promises from God, it's okay to trust in those promises. But it's not okay to walk into stupid situations and say, oh, God has to protect me, even though I'm being an idiot. God will save me. No. So what God is saying is, I promise that if you give your offerings, I will provide more than you need. And so he's saying, you can, you can test that. You can see that my promise is true. So be obedient. God's promises are always based on obedience. Be obedient and I will come through. This promise will come true. Okay? It's not that hard, right? What's he going to say? And what does he say will happen? He says, if, if they bring in their offerings, here's what I promise. I'll open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Is God able to do this? Yes. Yeah. Why? 
It's all his anyway, right? Right. What God is doing is he's giving them an opportunity to trust him. And so many times we see this in our own life where a struggle comes up, where we have a choice of whether to be obedient or whether to take the easy way out or do what seems natural or do what everyone else tells us makes sense even though it goes against God's word to do what feels good we're going to walk into those situations and God is saying I, I'm giving you the opportunity to trust me and reap the rewards of obedience that's what God wants you to do he wants you to trust him alright God will always reward your obedience God is always faithful Alright. Now, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for you. What's a devourer? They devour things, right? They eat things. These are like locusts. So that when the Jews would grow their crops, the locusts would come and eat their crops and then they wouldn't have any food. When God says, I can control the locusts, Whoa. and stop them from devouring your crops. He will stop the, the locusts from devouring the crops. So God is in control of whether they are going to be productive or not. It doesn't matter like how many business classes you take. It doesn't matter if your product is really great it doesn't matter if you have a perfect advertising campaign. You know, you have the best strategy. It, none of those things will matter. God says, if you're withholding your money from me, I, will, I can make it so that none of those things will work. Because he is the one who is in charge of the devourer. He can rebuke the devourer. He can... Uh, remove the obstacles of success. But so like for us, you might have the perfect plan to sell something, but then a hurricane comes through and wipes everything out. Right? The economy collapses. Banks just go down and nobody has any money. But God can fix all that in a second but it hinges on, on their obedience and on our obedience so just like the first principle withholding, withholding money can lead to financial struggles the second principle is that being obedient with God's money can lead to, an, to amazing blessings alright being obedient being, trusting God trusting his word trusting his promises can lead to amazing blessings. If you hold on to your money, that's the most it can ever be. That's all it'll ever be worth. But if you give it to God, that's the least it will ever be. Because God can multiply it and use it for so much more than you ever could. Joy, read uh, Matthew 6, verse 19 through 21, please. Mm-hmm. 
treasures. I know. treasure is there your heart will be, will be also. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. What are those what are treasures on earth? Do not put all your money into things on earth that are just going to rust and rot and fade away. All right? And be stolen, like everyone who breaks into my house. I've had three iPods stolen. I don't think I need another one. But you know, hey, but seriously, guys, you know what? Uh, the first time they broke into my house, like... When I, when I walked in to see what was stolen and what was taken, I wasn't, like, I wasn't nervous. Like, I was, I was nervous, but I wasn't like, if I walk in and my TV's gone, and, you know, because that's pretty much the biggest thing in my house. Like, if, if all of that stuff is my Wii, if my Wii is gone, if my DVDs are gone, like, it wasn't going to be the end of the world, you know? Those things, yeah, they provided some entertainment, but they weren't that important, you know? And Jesus tells us to lay up our treasures in, in heaven. And then he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you're taking your money and you're putting it into, into all these things on earth, into your iPods, into your cell phones, into your cars, uh, into your education, you know, if, if, if those are the only places you're putting your money, then what happens when the thief breaks in and steals it? Because your heart is where your money is. Your heart goes where your money goes. If you work hard to pay for a car, and then you buy that car, and then that car gets stolen, you are devastated. Where are you putting your money? Even as teenagers, some of you have jobs, right? Some of you get allowances. Who gets allowances? Right. All right. Oh, yeah? Sometimes, sometimes. Where is your money going? This is where we're getting at. In the bank? All right. Jesus' point. Here we go. Jesus' point is that your heart is going to be where your money is or where your treasure is. And if you're only using your money 
if you're only using your money to lay up treasures here, uh, your heart is here. How can we use our money to lay up treasures in heaven? Amber, you got a question? Missions? Definitely. I saw something uh, today. It said 2% of offering in the U.S. goes to world missions. 2%. And in the 1930s, they used to give 10%. Nowadays, when they're making more money than ever, they give 2%. The Great Depression. <laughs> Have our priorities gotten out of whack? We put all our money into things here, but not into eternity. But look at you. Don't, let's not look at them. Look at you. Thaddeus, look at you. All of you, look at yourself. Where does your money go? When it comes to, when it comes to your music, what kind of music does your money go into? Those of you who actually spend money on music instead of just downloading it and stealing it off the internet. It is stealing. It is not free. It is not free. Why don't you walk into 100% or any, any music store over here and just pick it up and say, oh, it's right there, it's free. I'm just going to walk out and leave. But you don't pay. Okay. All right. Let's not even talk. Let's, that's a side issue. Yeah. But what kind of music are you buying? That's my question. Are you, are you buying T.I. and 50 Cent and, and, Tuba and Lil Wayne? Is that what you're buying? All right. Here's the point. Here's the point. All right. You guys joke about it so much that you can't even realize that your heart is jacked up because you're listening to junk. Do you get it? Your money is going into crap. And instead of putting that money into your crap, you could put it into at least Christian music or you could put it into some missions or you could. Do something with it that is eternal and laying up treasures in heaven, but y'all are so content to just sit there and listen to junk and fill your head with all kinds of foolishness. And what's going to happen? What's that doing to your heart? But it's all a joke. Where should your money be going? Where does God want your money to go? I'm not saying every dime you make, give it to the church. I'm saying some of it has to go to the church. And the money you do make has to go into laying into heavenly things. Not just into whatever your friends think is cool. Because otherwise you end up just with a heart that, that is turned away from God.
that has no sensitivity to God. And you think it doesn't, you think it has no impact. Oh, the music I listen to doesn't affect me. That's garbage. All right, there was a study that was done uh, last month. The results came out that found that 44% of teenagers who listened to sexually explicit lyrics were sexually active. 44% compared to 20% of students that didn't listen to sexually explicit music. All right? So you've got more than twice as many students who are sleeping around because of the music they listen to. Don't ever try to tell me that the music you listen to doesn't affect you. So some of you just need to think tonight, where does my money go? What do I want to spend it on? Does God care where I spend my money? He sure does. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him with your money? That's what this whole passage is about. Will you trust Him? Will you be obedient to Him and let Him reward you? Let's pray. Father, God, your word challenges us. It is hard, God. It, it, some of us have to change. Um, and change is not easy, Lord, but, but you have promised to reward our obedience. And God, I pray for, for some tonight who, who do put their money into the wrong kind of music or just buy the wrong kind of video games or just spend their money on, on junk. God, I pray tonight that, that you show them that your way is the better way, that, that you promise to provide for us because you love us. Lord, help us to make things and to see that you have what's best for us, not because you're a big, mean, scary God, but, but because you are worthy of our honor and our obedience and because you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.